0: Glad you're here this morning. I remember that my heart was pounding as I walked down this dreary hallway at a police precinct. It was about midnight, and I was about to do something I never ever dreamed that I would have to do, and that's confront the killer of my son. And Wendy and I had gotten a call earlier that day and the detectives had said, can you come down here? We've got the shooter in custody, but he's not cooperating. Can you come and, as the parent, can you plead with him to help us? And of course, not knowing any better, I said, sure. And so, while Wendy stayed home and prayed like crazy, got in the car and drove 45 minutes, probably riding adrenaline mountain dew and i think the holy spirit was in there too but by the time i arrived they met me at the door and they said it's going to be about an hour so i just kind of sat and waited and talked with these law enforcement officers and they kept saying things like are you okay do you need to ride home after this is somebody going to sit with you and i think they realized the gravity of the situation even more than i did at the time i was just reacting but what i when I look back now, I see how God was intimately involved with this entire thing. Taylor had been killed about eight months before, and so it had only been a couple of days since we found out what really had happened. And when we knew that what had happened was something that we were going to have a difficult time bending our minds around at any rate, But now to have this moment. But I realized immediately that God was beginning to speak. And when the detective came down, he said, Mr. Johnson, I know you've been waiting. He said, he's finally talking. But there's one thing you need to know. He wants you to come upstairs because he wants to say that he's sorry. And so I started just rummaging through theology, and I think God was just speaking truth into my heart and into my soul. And I was I was thinking about the lostness of sin and brokenness and how I'm no different than that guy. The only difference is is that I have Jesus. He needs Jesus. And I was thinking about that idea that don't don't bring me gifts to the altar unless you're right with another. And here was here was a young man that wanted to say he was sorry, and I can honestly tell you, God gave me about ten years of counsel in ten seconds at that moment. He was speaking clearly, and so I said, "Sure, let's go upstairs." And so I followed this detective down this hallway, and I was asking God, "What am I going to say? Can you help me? Can can you can you feed the words to me, God?" faithful and even then he was directing and as I walked in the room I was expecting to see this gangster what I saw was this young man in the corner of the room in a folding chair just weeping and so he looked at me and he said I'm sorry I never meant, I never meant anyone to get hurt and so then God began to speak to me and I just said to him I said Jesse, I said, Wendy and I are going to work on forgiving you. But then I know that guy was speaking because I said this. I said, and by the way, did you know that God loves you? Did you know that you can have more than this? Your life doesn't have to be this way. And and then I, I said, after this is all over, after the trial and after the sentencing, would you be interested in hearing more about how God can save you and turn your life around? And he said, yeah, I would like to hear that. And then he got up from his chair and he started to come toward me and this was a big, big young man and I was kind of thinking, this is really gonna be good or really bad? And I looked over at the detective and he was hardly paying attention. I thought, I'm on my own here. And Jesse just came up and gave me this And we just stood there for a minute or so, and I was just thinking that how, how orchestrated was this? Because you had this, this killer, the perpetrator, and you had a pastor, the victim, blocked in this embrace. And that wouldn't have happened if God wouldn't have spoken. And even now, as we write right to Jesse as we want to visit him and just lead him to Christ. God is still speaking. And what I want to talk about this morning is how God can, can put us in situations that are eternally meaningful if we're willing to listen to his voice. If we're willing to stop and Don't try to be in charge, and if we just listen to God, he can do amazing things. But we have to listen. And so this morning, as we continue on, we're in this series of the habits of making Jesus known, and we're learning skills about how to make our mission statement, which is making Jesus known through community impact. We're we're learning to make that a reality. And we're using this acronym from Michael Frost Bells. And we've already talked about the fact that we can bless people by just a word or a deed. And we've asked you, can you do three a week? Can you bless three people a week? Have you done that? Because when you start to do the math, a church our size, and three people a week, you can see quickly how that would spread. And then Neil spoke so well last week about how to use food and fellowship in order to touch people, and how Jesus used that. And so again, three people, at least one non-believer, have you shared a coffee? Have you, have you invited someone over for dinner or gone to lunch with? Today we're going to learn steps to listen to God's voice, and then next week we're going to learn the ways of Jesus through the Gospels, to study his ministry, to see how he interacted with people. And then that one on the end there, sent It's extremely important because we need to see each other. We need to see ourselves as sent missionaries. And I was talking to a friend the other day, and I said, "You know, you know that you're you're out there in in your sphere of influence. You're a missionary." And he said, "No, I don't think so." And I said, "Oh, I think so. We are all missionaries, and we are sent by God." But in order to make the most of that sending, we have to listen to God. We have to listen to truth. We have to listen to the right voice. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But how is God the right right voice? How do we know that God is the right voice? Well, we know because of this. Firstly, that God is infinitely above any other being, and he seeks his own glory. And so when we listen to God, we know we are listening to the best thing, the best voice, a voice of truth and holiness and justice, a voice of love that would never steer us wrong. Maybe steer us into places that aren't comfortable for sure, but steer us wrong never. And so we know God is the right voice because He is out and He is building His name. He is seeking His glory because He is the best thing. And so the pressure is off. We don't have to be responsible for the results. We just obey and interact with people in our ordinary, everyday lives. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and I want you to turn to our first passage we're going to look at today, which is Psalm 46, verse 10. You can also... Take that Bible Bible that's in the pew uh, rack in front of you and you can turn to page 472. You can use the Ridgewood app and you can just push media until you get to the right prompts. And for those of you on live stream, we'd love to have you follow along as well. Just grab your Bible. So in this simple verse, Psalm 4610, which many of you are familiar with, God calls us to trust him. He calls us to enjoy Him. He calls us to listen to His his voice, which is feeding truth and wisdom to us. But we have to listen. And here's what the psalmist said. Be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But be still. Listen. The amazing thing about God is that He has already got a kingdom program. He understands the need for redemption. He knows that if He draws people to Himself that they will meet redemption. They will meet Jesus. They will understand the cross. They will understand the sin problem that needs to be solved, and so he's out making his name great. But in order to go where he wants us to go, we need to be still and listen. Matthew Henry is this wonderful 17th, 18th century theologian about this verse forgive the old English but it's it's I love it let his own people be still let them be calm and sedate and tremble no more but know to their comfort that the Lord is God he is God alone and will be exalted above the heathen we don't use that term don't go to work and say hey are you a heathen Let him alone to maintain his honor, to fulfill his own counsels, to support his own interest in the world. Though we be depressed, let us not be dejected, for we are sure that God will be exalted and that he may satisfy us. He will work for his great name no matter what becomes of our little names. God is working to further his great name. And he's called us in. He's called us into that mission. This, this idea of being missional isn't new. It's been going on for centuries. It's God's kingdom mission. And we have been invited in in our day, in our time. But in order to do it, we need to listen. We need to be still, which I understand is so difficult in our culture We've got bosses. We've got kids. We have responsibilities at home. We have chores. We've got a million things going on in our lives. It's hard to be still when you're at a soccer game and then another hockey game and then a soccer game on a Saturday, but we're called to be still. And it is the right voice that we're listening to because he is the best thing. He is above any other being. Secondly, we learn from this voice that We listen to God because God's voice brings rest and reassurance to us. I honestly wonder if the reason Christians, Jesus followers, are so rattled right now because of what's happening in our culture is because we're not being still and just listening to God. Because Jesus isn't going to come back on Air Force One He's not going to run for Congress. God is there for us if we would just listen to him and be still, and he will bring reassurance. This terminology here I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. That's the whole earth. And that was a wonderful encouragement to Israel, and it's a beautiful encouragement to us in our day that God is being exalted. He is the right voice. He will put us where we need to be. He will lead us into places of eternal value. The people that he leads us to will be prepared to meet us because he's already done the work, because he's building his kingdom, and we are a part of that. So the question then for many of us becomes, how do you hear the voice of God? We're Baptists. We eat lutefisk, and we think we're listening to God while we're eating lutefisk. How do you listen to God? This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit is an amazing gift. So here's the truth. The Holy Spirit enables you to hear the right voice. And I keep using this term, the right voice, because culture's clamoring at us. Our own desires and wants are clamoring at us But the Holy Spirit will help us hear the right voice of truth. And so in order to see the value of the Holy Spirit, I want you to turn again, if you would, just over to John 14, verses 25 and 26. John 14, 25 and 26. That's page 901 in that Bible that we have for you. And again, that should be in the Ridgewood app as well. John 14, 25 and 26. This section is all about the sending and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand that the early days of Jesus' ministry were, were difficult to understand and, and couldn't really be understood fully until three things happened. Number one, Jesus had to go to the cross and die in an atoning death for sin. On the cross... All sin forever was placed there with him, and he paid the penalty for that sin. That had to happen because the sin problem is so acute that you and I had no hope without Jesus and that death on the cross. Secondly, Jesus needed to rise from the dead to vindicate his claim of being the Son of God and to defeat death. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit needed to come and fulfill his role, and point us to Christ, and tell us truth, and counsel us, and guide us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. If we look at verses 25 and 26, we see that the Holy Spirit will be the key person that helps us to develop a habit of listening. 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus knew that he was about to ascend. Jesus knew that in bodily form he could only be one place at a time. And he was sending the Helper, the Holy Spirit that would indwell us. And this is an amazing gift. And there's no doubt in my mind that I was, as I was walking down that hallway to that room, that it was the Holy Spirit that was directing and guiding every part of that conversation, not just from me, but from everybody that was involved that day. Because the role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to truth, to Christ. John fifteen twenty six tells us that he will bear witness about me, Jesus said. And so, though all of the members of the Trinity, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in essence and fully God, each has a role to play. And the Holy Spirit's key role is to point us to truth, to point us to Christ. In John sixteen thirteen, Jesus also said this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He has the authority to speak for the Father. And so he is intimately at work. And notice that truth is everything about the Holy Spirit. Truth, truth, and truth. And my fear is is that we have absolutely misunderstood the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when we pray, we call him an it. Like it's some kind of an object. This is the full person, fully God. And I think the reason sometimes we don't delve into the Holy Spirit is because the moment you start talking about the Holy Spirit, then you're labeled. Well, you're a charismatic, or you're a Pentecostal, or you're a cessationist, or you're a neo charismatic. I don't I don't know what those are. But there's labels. And so what do we do? It's exhausting, so we just put it aside. Holy Spirit is an amazing person, an amazing gift. He's fully God, and we know that from Acts 5, because there were two believers in the first century that had a really bad day. Their names were Ananias and Sapphira. And they were selling land to bring to the gathering, but they lied about how much they brought, and Peter was not at all pleased And at that moment, we find that the Holy Spirit is indeed God. Here's that passage. Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied, just to human beings, but to God. Do you see this? Lied to the Holy Spirit, lied to God. And So this person, the Holy Spirit, who has been sent to speak to us, to guide us and counsel us, isn't just a, a, an it. It's, he's God. And He will help us. Hear the right voice. He will lead us into the circumstances that we need as we are still and we listen and we take in the voice of God. But before we get practical here for a moment, I want to send a warning out to you. And here's the warning. Don't navigate these waters without Scripture. Don't, don't try to learn to listen to God without Scripture guiding you, because it's risky business. There are people and ideas and worldviews clamoring for our attention. Every one of us has a selfish agenda, and that could all get messy. So whatever you are hearing from God, make sure that you're in Scripture, because Scripture is illumined by the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing about the Bible is when you sit down to read it, you can say a prayer, and you can say, Lord, help me to understand what I'm reading. And the Holy Spirit's saying, yes, I will, because I wrote that. So I, I'm qualified. He inspired the men who wrote th- this down. The Holy Spirit has created a document without error, full of truth. This morning, if you read the Star Trip. There was a, an op-ed from, from a man, a, ch- a churchgoer, I don't, he didn't have credentials next to his name, who wrote about why churches are empty. And So I'm thinking to myself, oh, this might be good. I'd get some tools to, to, you know, to, to, to grow and, and, and find out what's happening in culture. His argument was this. These conservative evangelicals that believe the Bible is true, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, believe that there's only one way to be saved, have driven everybody out of the church. I don't think so. I think that the lack of belief has driven people out of church because there is no gospel power in churches that don't believe these things. And so one of the key things that we must hold on to and believe is the inerrancy of Scripture without error, given to us by the Holy Spirit. So you have this listening exercise, and then you have this illumination from Scripture that come together in this beautiful this beautiful dance of knowing what to do when. Sinclair Ferguson is a wonderful theologian. Here's what he said. The result of the Spirit working with the Word of God to illumine and transform our thinking is the development of a godly instinct that operates in sometimes surprising ways. The, re- the revelation of Scripture becomes, in a well-taught, Spirit-illumined believer, so much a part of his or her mindset that the will of God frequently seems to become instinctively and even immediately clear, just as whether a piece of music is well or badly played is immediately obvious to a well-disciplined musician. It is the kind of spiritual exercise that creates discernment. God's Word, illumined by God's Spirit, is the pathway to spiritual stability and liberty so when you're flexing your new muscles of listening to god make sure that you're in the word and many times god will speak right through the words you're reading no matter how many times you've read them they'll jump off the page at you and so as we're listening the holy spirit will lead us into these places if we're still and if we listen, we can have a huge impact by simply being guided by the right voice. It's amazing how God speaks to us. Sometimes it's just its overwhelming to think that the God of the universe, the one who created all things, is actually speaking to us. So let's practically find out how to develop these habits of missional living in the area of speaking. And we want these to be habits, not just a one-off, and so we want to get really practical right now and help you, and some of these, this list is influenced by Michael Frost, and the first is this, and they're not very, they're, they're pretty basic, but they're, they're so important. Set aside a designated time. Set aside a designated time. If you don't put it on your calendar, you're not going to do it, you need, you need God time. And then you'll get a Google reminder, God in 30 minutes, God in 15 minutes, God in five minutes. And here's the thing about that. Make it uninterrupted time. And I know there's, there, your life is busy, but start with an hour a week. An hour a week. And, and don't just talk the whole time Read the word and then just sit in silence. Say, what do you want from me, God? What do you want me to do? And pray that he will speak to you. And make this exclusively for you and God. Secondly, while you're doing that, you've got to avoid distractions. This is probably the hardest part of listening to God. Avoid distractions. This does not work during the Vikings-Bills game. And some of you guys are going like, really? Because that's the hour I was going to take. No. <laughs> because you're going to be bored by the second half, you're thinking, right? Avoid distractions. Find a comfortable chair in a quiet room or a place outside. Get off the grid. Turn off your cell phone. Get away from people and just be with God. And now You're thinking, well, I don't know what I would do for an hour. Oh, yeah. It'll come. Just takes a little practice. And then God begins to speak to you. Be still. Know that I am God. And practically speaking, my, my, my house starts to wake up in the middle of when I'm supposed to be praying. So a lot of times I'll just wear earbuds and I'll put on I have a, this white noise app. I can listen to waterfalls and rain and I just tune in and I pray. There are practical ways to do it. But you have to try to avoid distractions. And then I would say this in regards to what I just said about Scripture, develop an organized Bible reading plan. You've got to be in the Word. And then the Spirit can speak to you, and you can just check it against what the Bible is telling you. And and I would suggest this the reason I, I say organized is I don't want you to spend your whole time that you have trying to figure out what you're going to read. And when you spitball it, you're not getting context. But when you have an organized plan, you're, you're learning the Bible as you go. And so, there's a ton of plans available. You can go on your, you can go on a Bible app. You can go online and find it. And then just organize yourself. I have an organized plan I do every morning. And it helps me because I'm learning Scripture. I'm learning to listen to God. And He prompts me. And He'll say things like you need to, Minister to this person or that person, or you need to stop doing this. Or you, most of the time, it's this: go say you're sorry to Wendy again. So I know he's prompting me. And then finally, speaking of prompts, follow God's promptings. This is this is no good if we just listen and don't do what God says. And He's going to do what I just said. There are times when He will say, "Hey, do you, do you remember this person? This person needs." Needs you right now, or have you checked in with that person at work? Or what about that sin that you just aren't dealing with, and it's really making it hard for me to talk to you because you're not listening? You're you're caught, you're trapped in sin. There are times when I'm praying, when God will just say, "Man, this person just needs a, a encouragement." So you know, ten, 10 seconds, quick text. I'm praying for you. Don't don't reply. It's an act of worship. And then when, he, when, he, when you feel like he's asking you to do something, then venture out and do it. Now, I'll, I will give you this piece of advice. When you're learning to do this, because it, it does take practice, don't make the first decision like the biggest decision of your life. Like, I feel like God's telling me to move to Cleveland, man. No. But maybe this. hey, Paul, just just pray for this person. Okay, I can do that. Just send a thank you note to this person. Yeah, I can do that. Little things that God will ask you to do. And you know what will happen is you'll end up in the right place with the person that needs you most at that time. You'll develop a relationship, it'll become a habit, and you will be making Jesus known. Because this mission statement we have, making Jesus known through community impact, this is us on the ground doing it. This isn't some organized program at the church where you come and get on a bus and go somewhere. No, this is you and I on the ground doing this. And I, I will never forget the night I described to you. I'll never forget that moment when we were embracing because of what God had led to. And, and I didn't even know I was listening. But God sure was speaking. And, and I want you to listen to to discerning words. I want you to listen to truthful words. I want you to listen to encouraging words. I want you to listen to words that convict you of sin that you need to put aside in order to live a missional life. And that only comes from the right voice. It only comes from God. So let's take just a couple of minutes now and just close your Bibles and bow your head and let's, let's go before God and have a chat with Him about About this, so just bow your head in prayer and in silence. So, the first thing I want you to do while you're meditating right now is to ask God to bring to mind a person in your life, in your sphere of influence, that needs Jesus. The second thing then would be to ask for courage regarding how to live a life for Jesus in front of that person and how to come into relationship with that person. And now ask God to show you And confess a sin that may be hindering your ability to listen well to him. And lastly, take a moment and just thank him for the privilege of serving him of being invited into the mission. God, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for never giving up on us and just withdrawing and expecting us to do this life on our own. You are always there. You're always guiding. You're always directing. Will you teach us how to listen well? As we're out in our ordinary rhythm of life, just walking the dog or going to the store, going to work, whatever it might be, will you just speak to us and help us to know where to go, what to do, and what to say? And then just giving us the courage to do it. Lord, help us to develop the discipline we need to, as Sinclair Ferguson said, just to have that instinctual idea of what's right and what God wants by studying the Bible and praying and learning to hear your voice help us to be still it's okay to be still the, the, the stuff around the house the projects the, the, that email that you think you need to send that can all wait we, we just need to learn how to be still before you so help us to do that and then we'll watch you work in amazing ways